Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So, just a reminder that my book, Small Doses, is available for pre-order on Amazon.com. Small Doses is the literary component to this here podcast. It has anecdotes, it has essays, it has blurbs, it has doodles, all dedicated to giving you all potent truths for everyday use. And if you're wondering, well, is it like the actual, like, same stuff that you said on your podcast? No. All of this is original content that I have written, and even if it's similar topics in some cases, it's new material that has been actually written specifically for the book, and it wasn't necessarily, like, transcribed from the podcast. So I wanted to give you all uh, a literary, like, you know, written piece of work that speaks to the ideologies and the principles and the, I don't know, just the crazy <laughs> that goes on on this show. And I feel like I've done that with this project. So look out for Small Doses coming October 22nd between now and then. Make sure to start looking at my Instagram where I'll be sharing a bits and pieces from the book building up to the release of what is absolutely the scariest shit I've ever done in my life. It's so funky. <laughs> Masses, I'm back. We are here in the small doses, small room that we record in. That is a chamber of narcissism and nostalgia. And I am no longer recording on the couch in my hotel room with subpar audio. Nonetheless, Brendan, in full fashion, still managed to hit you with the sound effects that you all love the most. I had someone contact me on Instagram asking, who does your sound effects? Because they nail it. And that's none other than the... Brendan. <laughs> and that is how that is happening. Rebecca's over there in the corner giving us straight faces and judgmental eyebrow raises. <laughs> and I am Amanda Seals back and on the ever, never ending quest for peace <laughs> within myself. <laughs> I can't even... Look for peace on earth. I'm trying to find peace within, okay? Because it's really been a hell of a cancer season, guys. July was wild for the night. I mean, it was like a drunk white girl in the club. I mean, it just had no no couth, all candor, barely any stability, and really was unfettered. In its, in its willingness to completely dismantle anything that's in its path. That was July and cancer season for mine and many others. And it just so happened that during that exact time is when I was on a tour with my creation, Smart, Funny, and Black. Yes, the You Know the Vibonics 101 tour went down this July 
And um, I'm going to talk all about it for the duration of this episode. So if at any point you feel like, I think she might just be venting, you're probably right. Because I haven't really gotten to talk about it since I was within it. So this is my first time being off tour and looking back. And boy, oh boy, hindsight sure is 2020. Let's start with the positives. Columbus, Ohio. I had never been to Columbus, Ohio for any reason. Um, and it was the first time that I was there. And it was the first time Smart Funny and Black was there. And I got to tell you guys, Columbus, Ohio shows the fuck up. It was incredible how locked in they were from beginning to end, how excited they were about the show, and just how involved they were from the introduction music where the band was just playing instrumental songs to when I'm singing niggas got me fucked up and I go in the audience and ask people to say who got them fucked up to the games, to the electric slide, everything. It was really just honestly a super duper treat to go to a new city and have such an incredible um, reception from the, from the audience and not just the audience, but also the venue. It was a beautiful venue we were in a theater that had a floor to ceiling wall that we could project our screen on. And so we were able to just really truly see the wondrousness of my keynote skills because that is what our graphics are done on. And it really just like felt like it was a vision of what the show could be when it gets into a bigger space. Base. Like my goal for Smart Funny and Black is that we are eventually like the size of On the Run. You know, like I want us to be doing arenas and really just giving um, folks a chance to really just commune in the name of celebrating black culture in like as big of a venue as possible. So that's my goal. But for now, on the way there, you have these little benchmark moments that kind of let you know, like, yeah, keep going. Or sometimes, you know, you have benchmark moments that tell you, stop yeah. it. Stop everything you're doing now. And it's important, by the way, that you pay attention to those benchmark moments. Other people call them omens. You know, like you just have these times that let you know, like, you know what? Maybe I need to pivot or maybe I need to go harder or maybe I need to fall back. Well, Columbus was definitely a show that let us know we need to keep going full steam ahead and that. Even if you think a town is foreign to you, that doesn't mean you're foreign to them. So thank you, Columbus, for giving us such a warm, enthusiastic welcome. We will never forget it. And I can't wait to come back with more good stuff to share with you all. Something else that was really dope was just like performing this got be fucked up over the course of the tour and just how excited people were to sing the song and join me. And I would go in the audience every night and ask people to say like, who got them fucked up? And let me tell you, the answers ranged. It was incredible. We were in Baltimore and a dude was on the other side of the venue. And I always try and get at least one guy to do it. And I mean, he was so ready to fucking tell me what was going on that he crossed the entire audience to inform me that they will not allow him to sell his house. Not really sure what that's all about, but 
they would not allow him to sell his house. And he was very upset about it. So much so that he basically snatched the mic and then like threw it back at me. And I just had to understand like, you know what? He's in a space. Give him space. Um, then we were in Dallas the first night and uh, a woman said that American Airlines had prevented her, American Airlines asked, asked her to step off of a flight and put a blanket around her waist because they said her shorts were too short. This woman is a physician. And by the way, her shorts weren't too short. She was literally leaving Jamaica and was wearing a romper. But her black woman's voluptuousness was so threatening to whoever were these flight attendants that they literally considered it to be uh, pornographic and unseemly and said that she needed to put this blanket around her waist. I mean, I just... You know, as somebody who is shaped like an iPod, um, you know, I have sleek lines and rounded shoulders. I really feel like when I see things like this happening, it's so much about, to me, just jealousy. Like, that's what it looks like to me. And I mean, we, of course, have seen a history of black women's bodies being objectified, being vilified, etc. So to have it happen, like, especially in a place where you're paying like, you're not even trying to, like, get in a club. You've already paid for the ticket. You are within the guidelines. It was, like, wild. and so wild that, like, when she said it, I got back on stage and I was kind of, like, tripped. Like, I was, like, cat got my tongue because I was, I was, like, wow. Like, that's... Every day this nation finds a way to make me be, like, oh, oh, wow. And that was no exception. So that was really wild. But for the most part, the answers were always funny. People basically, who has them fucked up? Their jobs, uh, <laughs> their kids, <laughs> and their ex-wives, ex-husbands, baby mamas, and baby fathers. In general, those are the most niggas got me fucked up answers of all. And in Columbus, Ohio, when this brother, he was an old head, and he stood up and we said, who got you fucked up? He said, my, my ex-wife. ex-wife. When I tell you, that entire audience damn near ran out the venue and came back. It was one of the most classic examples of a quote-unquote black laugh that you have ever seen in your life. It was like a revival. I mean, so thank you to everybody for coming out and being willing to sing along. And make sure you go to iTunes and Spotify and Pandora, wherever, and listen to Niggas Got Me Fucked Up because it is out there for your listening pleasure. And if you go on my YouTube, Smart Funny and Black, you can check it out for your viewing pleasure. Another positive that really was great was the surprise of Mike Epps showing up for our Indianapolis show. So I went into Mike's DMs earlier this year to ask him if he could come and do Smart Funny in Black. And he was like, yeah, I, I, you know, I, would, I would love to. It'd be fun. And I said, okay, who do I need to hit up? And he told me the person I needed to hit up. Well, the person that I needed to hit up was somebody that I went on a couple of dates with in the past and who's also a trash-ass individual. And not just because of, like, me. Like, trust me. Like, this is, like, a consensus. We have, like, a coalition formed against this person. And so I thought about it, and I was just like, damn, like, am I really going to hit him up? Do I really want Mike to come on that bad? And I was like, I do, but I just can't do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So I let it go. Fast forward. I'm in Indianapolis. I'm standing outside my hotel. I'm talking to my producer. And I look at the reflection of the window, and I'm like, is, is that Epsy? And I turn around, and Mike fucking Epps and his wife are leaving my hotel. And I'm like, what's up? 
I'm like, what, what are you doing, doing in Indianapolis? Indianapolis? He's like, I'm from here. What? Yeah, I'm from here. And I was like, well, what are you doing tomorrow night? Nothing. What are the odds of that? I was like, well, would you want to come and do Smartphone in Black? And he's like, yeah, you know, send me the information. Um, I was like, you know, it's funny as I, I hit you about it earlier, but then once you said to hit up Homeboy, I was like, eh. And he was like, why? And I was like, because he's full of shit. And then his wife started laughing. Um, but I was really just like, I mean, come on, he's not going to actually show up, right? Like, I mean, Y'all, not only did Mike Epps show up to the show, he showed up early. And he had on a shirt that said African-American colleges and universities. So he like came in costume, like on theme. It was really dope. And then he sat on stage with us and did the show. And we just had such a good time. And he was such a good sport and added really a lot to the show by playing the role of the hometown hero. And um, at one point in the show, though, at the end of the show, like towards the end, we were dancing. We were getting it, and he was walking backwards, and no one stopped him, and he fell over the monitor, the speaker. Like, fell hard. Like, fell hard in the way that you're just like, he got the wind knocked out of him. He had to. He had to. He he fell so hard that he was like, all right, y'all, I'm going to head on now. <laughs> I've, I have really honestly thought he was going to stay towards the end until the whole show. But once that happened, he was like, I've done my time. That's 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 an omen telling me it's time to go. Yeah. So thank you to Epps, though, because I think that's always an exciting part about Smartphone and Black. And that's part of the culture I'm building, you know, where folks can feel like they can drop through, you know, and that and they feel like they can bring, you know, an element of, of uh, spice to the show. I mean, our Baltimore show, we brought Jeff Johnson on the show. Now, Jeff Johnson is somebody that a lot of people know from Rap City back in the day. He used to come on Rap City as, quote unquote, Cousin Jeff. And he used to come on and basically kind of give political insight or, you know, kind of social commentary about stuff. And he was the straight man in the situation. You know, Tigger was the host and he's talking and, you know, and then Jeff will come on and be very serious and talk about serious things. And he's always been known to be like a pillar of his community. You know, he's somebody who is definitely all about like mental health and about black love and about, you know, just social awareness for kids, et cetera, et cetera. He's just a really upstanding guy. So he lives in Baltimore. He's lived there for 20 years. So I was like, hey, do you want to come and be our hometown hero for Baltimore? Basically come and help judge one of the games. Y'all, why did I not know that Jeff Johnson's hilarious? He did a James Brown split on the stage. And I don't know if you know this, but the hometown heroes wear a cape throughout the whole show. So to do it in the cape just took it to another level. But he really was just like... So dope. And it made me be like, yo, why don't people know that you're this funny? Why don't people know that you have all this about you? And I was really just excited to see that, like, he got to show that side of him because it was incredible to have a surprise. It's always nice to have a surprise person, but then when they show some surprise talent, I mean, you can't, who could ask for anything more? Who could ask for anything more? Who could ask for anything more? What song is that? I've got music. I've got rhythm. I've got my man. Who could ask for anything more? I've got daisies in green pastures. I've got my man. Who could ask? I can't clap. I can't snap on rhythm with my left hand. 
Who can ask for anything more? Oh man, trouble, boo, I don't mind him. You won't find him round my door. I've got starlight, boom, boom, I've got sweet dreams, boom, boom, I've got my man. Who can ask for anything more? Who can ask for anything more? Oh, oh, oh. And then I do a tap break. It is from the Gershwin's uh, Crazy For You musical. Yeah, yeah. Which was the first musical that I experienced at Dr. Phillips High School, which starred as the understudy, Tony Yazbek, who, who has, has been, been nominated, nominated for several, several Tonys at this point. point. So just, again, bringing it back to the old haunt. D.P. Ah, D.P. Brendan was expecting that, and he got what he wanted. Other positives, I brought a kitty on the tour. I brought a cat on the tour. Huri, named after Lieutenant Niota Uhura, the Starship Enterprise, joined me on tour. Now, I know a lot of y'all are seeing Huri on my Instagram, and you're like, where the hell did this Lando mini-me come from? So here's how the story goes. I was sitting here looking at my Instagram, and this woman who follows me on Instagram had remembered when I had tried to get a cat to be a, a companion for Lando earlier this year. Unfortunately, that cat did not turn out to be a match, and so I had to bring him back to the no-kill shelter that I got him from. Very, very tearful return, trust me. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, you have to, like, know when something is not for you. And at that point, I knew that this cat required so much and I just didn't have the bandwidth to give it. And we have to do that in our relationships too, by the way, y'all. Like, I've absolutely found myself over and over again in relationships where I am just being required to give so much and at a certain point, it's just like, I don't have the bandwidth. Like, I just simply don't have it for this person. And it doesn't have to be acrimonious. And it doesn't even have to be, like, shade. And sometimes people just require more than you can give them. Maybe it's because of their personalities or maybe it's because of, like, their family structure. It could be because of, like, a physical ailment or a mental ailment. You know, it could be anything. Or it's just, like, you're just not compatible. But at the end of the day, it's, like, you reach a point where you have to actually, like, look at it and be, like, does this take more from me than I can even give to myself? And that doesn't make you selfish. It just makes you self-aware. And so I had to realize that with the kitten, that that kitten required a certain level of love and attention and attentiveness and patience that unfortunately, due to my schedule um, and due to the fact that I had another cat in the house, I just couldn't give it. And it was a very tearful like decision to come to because you know you want to believe that like, nah, I got all the love. I got all the compassion. I got all the attention, but I just, I, you know, I can't make time where I don't have it and I can't make, um, you might have a reserve of energy or whatever, but at the end of the day, like your, your energy is your energy and that's it. You have a limit, you have boundaries with that. So anywho, sometimes like relationships can feel like rescues. Let me just say that. So I still didn't give up though because I was like, you know what? I just, I know that another, uh, the right kitten is going to come along. I just know the right kitten is going to come along. And I had to have faith about that. And I just let it go. I decided that and just let it go. And then this woman hit me out the blue like a week before my tour and was like, hey, these people found a kitten that looks like a mini Lando. Um, you should check her out. And I just followed, I mean, y'all, this was the most follow my gut move I've done in a long time. I just, it was almost as if my fingers were working beyond my 
like consciousness. Like they were, I just like, next thing I knew I was DMing the person and they were like, oh yeah, well, you know, I'll put you in touch with the people who own the cat. They put me in touch. This is all within a matter of an hour. And they're like, oh, well, we're in Malibu right now, but we'll be back later on if you want to come by. They told me where they lived and it was like so close that it was like, shit, okay, well, I got to go. I go to their house. The little baby is in my lap in like a matter of minutes. They have six cats. So I got a chance to see how she interacted with the other cats. And she was very lovely with the other cats. And the guy in the couple that found her, the guy had left his car at a golf course overnight because he was like going out drinking with his buddies. And when he went back the next day, he picked up the car and came back home and he was sitting in the house and he heard a faint meow and he thought it was his cats. But then like it wasn't. And when he went in the garage, he realized it was coming from his car and the kitten Huri had basically crawled up into the wheel well of his Tesla. So he drove home with her like in the fucking engine. And let me tell y'all something. To this day, to to this day, day, she be doing shit like that. She went in the chimney yesterday and I almost lost my entire fucking mind. Like, y'all, I swear to you, I died a thousand deaths. I did not, I mean, I got to close up the chimney now. Because I couldn't even believe, like when she would be in the hotel rooms with me, sometimes it'd be like, how did you even find, like she crawled into like the under basin of a sink in the hotel bathroom. If I hadn't seen her go there, I wouldn't have ever found her. Like it would have been a wrap. I, so this is like a thing that she does. And, um, and so basically like he got her out and they put this picture up on their Instagram and it found its way to me and I went to go see her. And even then I'm saying to myself, like, Amanda, what the fuck are you doing? But then when we polled the people on the bus, nobody was allergic to cats. Do you know how rare it is for eight people to not be allergic to cats? And even if none of them are allergic, there was not even one person who's like, I don't don't do do cats. There's always somebody who's like, eh, I'm not a cat person. Everybody did cats. The bus driver didn't have a problem with the cats. And the road manager was like, we shouldn't have a problem with getting her into hotels. There might be like one or two hotels where it would be an issue, but otherwise it shouldn't be a problem. So it was like any obstacle that I thought was going to arise about having this kitten on the road would just be like moved away with such quickness. It was like Neo and the bullets that I was like, I guess there is no spoon. Got to get the goddamn cat. And so I went to Maui for my birthday, came back, picked her up, took her to the vet. She got checked out. And y'all, she was on the road with me. Listen, at least five people were like, you shouldn't bring her on the road. It's going to be very difficult. It's going to be stressful. It's going to be a lot of work. Fuck, Fuck all of you. you. Okay? You were all so wrong. And I'm so glad that I didn't listen. Like, man, I really be knowing. And I'm really glad that I really just did not listen to people. Because when you think about it, like, they weren't, they were not giving me advice about me. They were giving advice about themselves. Like, I remember one person was like, that's going to be a lot of work. And I was like, well, do you like cats? They were like, no. Well, fuck. Yes, I'm sure it would be a lot of work. Like, this person has a five-year-old and a two-year-old, but they're telling me bringing a kitten on the road is a lot of work. I was like, yeah, your opinion, not valid. Struck from from the the agenda. And I just realized, like, I was so glad to have this kitten on the road because 
I was going through a breakup and it was just nice to have like a like something to come back to the room to. Like you come back to the room and she greets you and she's like all adorbs nation. She's like, meow. My mom was in LA watching Lando. So she would send me dispatches from Lando. She's like, send me a picture of Lando and then caption it. You know, like can't wait to, you know, like uh, still the leader of the pack, like still running the show, et cetera. So just for anybody who's like going to be out on the road or whatever, like you may want to think about bringing a pet. It really made the difference for me. I really am glad that I did it. And I, it also allowed me to have like really integral bonding time with with Huri. She would sleep with me every night on the bus in my bunk, like literally just in the crook of my arm would come and sleep with me. And granted, Lando is not speaking to me. Um, <laughs> Lando simply looks at me like he doesn't know who I am and then at night sleeps with me in bed so basically what we're doing is we have a secret relationship like one that would take place between a college professor and a student so on campus we just look at each other as if we've never met before even with a slight disdain you know uh, but at night he crawls into bed and uh, lovingly sleeps on my limbs so I guess this is where we are right now. I don't know how long we'll be here, but uh, it's my own, um, yeah, it's my own penance. It's like a scarlet letter. Like you brought this little bitch in this house. That's how it feels. Because I do feel like if I didn't know until now, like Lando is a gay black man. That's how it feels. It feels like he's always looking at me like, you, you see, see this bitch? bitch? Do you, you see, see this bitch? bitch? Because who will try to fight, like not fight, but she'll just try to play with him, and he'll just be like, "What?" He's like Andre Leon Talley. He's like, "You're gonna ruffle my cape. You're wrinkling my cape. My caster, my caster." Tor is arduous. I have been on a bus tour in the past. Um, but I forgot that that was 10 years ago. And I have aged since then. And you really, man, I feel like if you're a homebody, you more than ever respect what it is like to spend two nights in a row somewhere. Like, the back and forth from the bus to the hotel room to the bus to the next hotel room, from the bus to the next hotel room. At one point in my life, I would have found it so invigorating and fun and exciting. And at this point, I'm not I'm not complaining by any means, but I just saw that like I've grown out of it. It's it's a tra- it's it's a transient way of living that is just not practical for me anymore. And it's the same way that like I'm not spending the night at niggas' houses. Like, what? You know, like, I mean, you know, you just, you just start learning things about yourself as you get older. Like, I'm not fucking nobody at this point if we got to use a condom. Like, it's just like, who has the time? You know what I mean? It's just like, I just, ugh, let's just finger and cuddle all day. Because if we're going, <laughs> Rebecca is like, oh, we're back. Okay. Because... I just, I'm at an age. I'm a, I'm just at a certain age where I'm just like, if it's going to be like this, I'll just not do it. Like, I, I, it's not. That's how I mean about a lot of things. So, like, touring, I realize, like, there's no other way to tour than this. So I'm just not going to do it. 
So we're going to do spot dates. So next year, we're going to do Smart Fanny Black in a different city every month. Which, to some might be like, I mean, that's still a tour. I mean, but the beauty of it, though, is that it allows us to still be in different cities and bringing Smart Fanny and Black to different people, but in a way that isn't so taxing on my body, that isn't so taxing on my crew. And also that allows us to give you guys more of an opportunity to have, you know, sh- shows that are better produced and that are, you know, uh, bigger in capacity and that are bigger in moment. Because when we're in one city for just a weekend, we can plan for that way differently than for in 18 cities over the course of 30 days. You know, that's just a different kind of energy. And and the thing about it is that when you when you're doing something of that, um, when you're doing something of that grandeur, all hands need to be on deck, and there needs to be efficiency on a higher level, or else shit can fall to pieces. And I spent this entire tour really just doing everything in my power not to let shit fall to pieces because I was surrounded at the highest level of my representation by inefficiency and ineptitude. And it really is just embarrassing, honestly, that I I am honestly embarrassed that I trusted these people. Which is like, Amanda, you can't be embarrassed. I know, I know. I didn't say it was rational. But you're just like, you know, you have people that are put in your corner that you're supposed to be able to trust and that have careers in these fields. And 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 you go there thinking, like, as long as I'm clear, there should be no misunderstandings. And the reality is that this just simply isn't the case. You know why there ends up being misunderstandings? Because people don't fucking listen. That's why. Because people don't listen and because people have egos. And because it is so hard for so many to simply sign on to enact someone else's vision. They feel the need to make it their vision. And it's just not always that way, dude. It's not It's not always time for your vision. So... I feel like the reality is you got to really think about like who's in your corner, you know, and who's on your team and even if you feel like you've always been thinking about it, thinking about, think about it again. Because I know that what I got stuck with on this tour was people that planned the tour with very clear guidelines that abandoned those guidelines for what they felt were their own ideas of correctness. And what they didn't understand is that their ideas of correctness are built on paradigms that have nothing to do with the paradigm that I built this show on. Smart, Funny, and Black is not about money. Smart, Funny, and Black is not about exposure. Smart, Funny, and Black is about community and a safe space for expression for Black people. Now, if I make some money in the midst of that, great. Great. If it creates offshoots to make money, fantastic. Fantastic. But at its core, that is what has to be preserved. And so in my my preservation of that, I have made it a mandate that my tickets should never exceed $35 with a fee included, aside from a portion of tickets set aside to be meet and greet tickets that will be at a higher rate. Even in that, 
The meet and greet and VIP tickets are situated towards the front of the venue, but I always make sure that there are still general admission tickets within that mix because I don't ever want to set a standard that says you get to see the better show because you have more money when it comes to Smart Funny and Black. My stand-up and other stuff, whatever. whatever. But when it comes to Smart Funny and Black, no. No, we don't have time for classism in here. So I always try to create a very fair environment. So imagine my terror when I realize that these ridiculous human beings have set my ticket prices at like $30 with a $22 fee. So that means that people are starting at $50. So when you're selling tickets, as a consumer, I know that like if I see a ticket that says $25, I'm like, oh, I, I can buy that. So let's see if this, let's say they add to the fee and the fee is like $8. Well, you've already decided you were getting it at $25. So the $8 making it $35 doesn't really kill you. But your brain works differently when it's like starting at $35. Because you're like, oh, hmm, okay. You're negotiating. So now you're already not set to do this. So then when they add on a $22 fee on top of that, you were already not 100% in. So you're going to more than likely have a, a fallout. Your fallout rate at that point is so much higher. And so for me, it's like I want people to feel like Smart, Funny, and Black is something they can come to. And I also understand the value of the fact that like you get a varied audience when your ticket price is fixed like that. Because you're going to get students, you're going to get unemployed people, you're going to get single parents, you're also going to get people who are in more economically stable situations, you're going you're gonna to get a wider range. And Smart, Funny, and Black is supposed to speak to a wider range. Like, I can't just be doing Smart, Funny, and Black for people who have attended Ivy League schools and have, you know, uh, 401ks. Like, that's that's defeats the purpose. That in itself is classist. No. I want Smart, Funny, and Black to resonate louder than the ignorant ratchet shit that I see all the goddamn time. I want Smart, Funny, and Black to permeate deeper than simply just having these conversations where when you bring things to people's attention, if you say it with a certain type of uh, elocution or with a certain level of vocabulary, people automatically feel like you're judging them or like you're attacking them or like you are diminishing their experience or their existence. Like, no, I want to be able to break open those spaces. And in order to do that, I got to have something that is inherently for the community that the community can actually get to. But do you think my white agents think like that? I'm not saying that there aren't white agents that can think like that. I'm just saying, do you think my white agents think like that? Because guess what? Now, they fucking didn't. And for the record, my black manager didn't think about that either. Because at the end of the day, a lot of people, they don't even think about black, white, Latinx. They don't think about none of that. All they think about is green, honey. All they think about is money. And Amanda Seals does not build a life based on money. If that was the case, I would have sucked the right dick a long time ago and gotten rich. So I say all that to say that I apologize to all of my fans for the heightened ticket sales. I thank you, though, for continuing to still purchase regardless and coming out to the show. And uh, we had sold out shows in Atlanta and in New York. We had an incredible show at the Apollo that was honestly just, uh, I mean, it was like existential. I mean, the shit was, it was beyond. The last time I felt like that was at a Band of Horses show in 2012 
when they played Infinite Arms and I felt like I was levitating out of my seat and thrust into the galaxy as the rhythm section played the song. Let's, Let's play them a snippet of Infinite Arms. When my thoughts That shit right there in a live space was just, it was, what's another word for, like, beyond, it was like, like, it was transcendental. transcendental. Brandon for the win. Too fast, Rebecca, too fast. (laughs) So, Apollo, thank you for having us. Um, We, we, uh, just New York, we had two incredible shows in New York. All of the shows, you know what I have to say, though? Aside from the fuck shit, aside from, you know, the behind the scenes foolery that was taking place at every show, the, the, the fact that my tour manager quit two days into the tour, claiming that she had hives and she was just overwhelmed because she had done zero work on the tour before she came on the tour. The fact that two days after that, my stage manager quit. Without telling anybody. He just didn't get back on the bus. He never communicated a grievance. He never shared any issue. The fact that my merch person was somebody who was simply just unfit, in my opinion, to represent our merch. And so we had to replace them within 24 hours. Like all of these things were going on. The fact that at the same time all this is happening, I'm going through like the longest extended breakup. I feel like our breakup is as long as the relationship. Like the fact that as I'm going through all this, I'm also having to deal with like leaving agents and leaving managers and and finding and finding new agents and like all of this at the same time that you're just not stationary. You're moving, you're moving, you're moving, you're moving. You know, all of this while I'm just now turning 38. Like all of this is champagne problems like I'm not even saying it's not but it was just very very overwhelming and it would be like when I would come on stage at night though all that shit would go away because y'all would show up to these shows so ready to just take in this thing that I created that was meant for y'all and even in certain times, like St. Louis, I had to stop the show and say a prayer with the audience because the energy was just wrong Atlanta not wrong, wrong is not the word. The energy was just like off kilter. It was like we were in the upside down. I had to just get us right side up. And even in Atlanta, like I had to admonish the audience for the fact that there were several people that didn't get up to do the electric slide. They were able-bodied people. And so I had to be like, no, like this is about community and togetherness and we join in. And so then we had to do the electric slide again and people joined in. And it's like, even in those moments, it still was just like, you know what, but this is what it's all for. This is what it's all for. It's also that you can have an episode about it when you get back from tour. It's all about learning and growth. And that happens whether whether you like it or not. And it's all about getting on stage and still, no matter what, giving people a reason to come and enjoy the theater and enjoy music and enjoy learning and laughter. And that's all I'm here to do, you know, is to use those tools to 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 help the world be a better place. And I feel like we got the opportunity to do that on this tour. 
regardless of all of the obstacles that were put in our way. And it really lets us know. It really also lets us know, like, anytime shit is difficult, it's because on the other side of it, it's about to, like, advance. I mean, I really believe in that paradigm. I really believe in that balance. I've been reading The Alchemist again, and it's true. I mean, it's darkest before dawn, you know, and I always tell people, like, you're going to have to go to the desert to get to, like, the actual oasis to get to the sea. Like, you're going to have to go there. And that's what this in many ways felt like because there was so many times on this tour I just felt so alone because the people that I thought were the most to have my back, my man, my manager, my agents just didn't. They didn't have my fucking back, but I couldn't stop. I wanted to go home. I wanted to quit. I wanted to be like, fuck Fuck this. this. I mean, I even had like a serious conversation about doing that. And it was just like, yeah, but you just can't. It's just bigger than you. And you got to get to the other side of it. And people have done way more with way less. So fucking suck it up. And remember the fact that like, no matter what, it's It's still still your your shit. Like all the frustration, everything that's going on, it's still your shit though. At the very least, like take, take fucking stock in that. That all these problems are your problems. And I know that may seem frustrating, but it also is empowering. So anybody out there who's an entrepreneur who's a creative, who's doing their own shit, and the shit is fucking frustrating as hell, at least give yourself a pat on the back like, yeah, but at least it's my frustrations. I'm not going through these frustrations for somebody else's shit and not feeling it. Sometimes it's fine to go through the frustrations for somebody else's shit because you believe in what they do. You know, or you believe in the fact that what they're doing enhances what you're doing. That's, that's not, I'm not saying don't do that. But there's a lot of times where we find ourselves really taking on other people's shit in a very real way. And it's not serving us in a very real way. We do that in relationships romantically. We do that in professional relationships. We do that in friendships. We do that all day. But the Smart, Funny, and Black, you know, the Vibonics 101 tour was an incredible learning experience for me. Not only just in terms of production and information and learning about my team and how to make them better, but also just learning about my own personal strength of like persevering through these moments that seem very emotionally taxing. And for a creative, that's a bitch. Like for a creative, emotionally taxing outdoes physically taxing, I feel like way more. Emotionally taxing, because that's where we're coming from. Our work is coming from emotion, you know, like in a real way. I want to thank all of the Black Spurts who joined us on the tour. We had an incredible lineup. We did something different this year. We flew people out. And I got to tell you, it was really just incredible to see certain lineups come together. Like Yamanika Saunders and Yasser Lester were phenomenal. Phenomenal. They did our Columbus, Ohio show and our Detroit show. Uh, Again, I want to apologize to Detroit for all the production issues. I am working as we speak on doing a show in Detroit for free hopefully around Christmas, as a coat and toy drive. Want to come out there and bring you all Smart, Funny, and Black in a real way and the way it's supposed to be done. So working on figuring that out. And if anybody on here that's listening knows of some sponsors that may be interested in sponsoring us doing that so we can make the show even better and better, please let me know. Uh, You can email the booking email or you can DM me. and just put, make sure that the first words are Detroit show so that I can sift through because sometimes I don't catch every DM. 
But I will say that we've had a number of incredible black spurts. But on this tour, Charles Blow and Joan Morgan at our Apollo show were just the epitome of what I made this show for. You know, they were hilarious. They were informative. They were intense. They were enthusiastic. And they, I know, left our audience with nothing on the floor. Like, the audience left with fully fulfilled. If you didn't leave fulfilled after that show, I mean, that's you, you got to go to therapy. You got to admit, you got to figure that out. Like that, that's not, that's not us. We had people with their phones, with lights, waving their phones back and forth, singing SWV week. SWV contacted me and invited me to their show. You, you know, know, I can't, can't even, even deal, deal, by the way. You know, I'm losing my shit that I got invited to an SWV show. So it was really just a super duper, like, uniquely exciting show. Our black spurts that came out on the road with us really gave it their all. I thank all of you. Um, and then I also want to thank my crew because, listen, you heard what I just said. We had people dropping out like flies and we were able to just keep on going, hiring new people that literally would find out and be on a plane within eight hours to be on a bus with us. You know, and it's like that to me was so um, endearing because it meant that they believed not only in, like, my product, you know, but they also, like, just had enough belief in themselves that, like, nah, I can come out here and make this happen. And they did. So So shout out to to the Smart Funny and Black Tour crew, our videographer, Dom, our producer, Fatima, our road manager, Kiana, our stage manager, Caleb, our driver, Marjorie, our security guard, Al, our cat, Huri. I don't want to forget our merch person, Muhammad. And my number one partner in crime who gets me through all the bumps and the bruises and also is there to celebrate and jump for joy with me for the good times, our music director, D-Dub. D-Dub and I met, like, in 2007. We were on the road together for the Floetry Remix Tour, and we have been incredibly tight ever since. He shows up for me in so many ways, and it's really just, like, a dream come true for me to like have created a vehicle where I can employ and create with people that I like really love and that I really have like a true connection to. And that's what I want to do on a whole nother level with this next phase of my life is really create more and more spaces to do that. And so smart funny and black has been an integral reason for why I'm going to be able to do that. So thank you all, everybody who came out to the Smart Funny and Black, you know the Vibonics 101 tour, and making this a successful, in spite of bullshit tour, for buying merch and continuing to support this independently black woman-owned business. Because at the end of the day, that's what it is. That's what it is. And it relies on you to thrive. It's a grassroots entity that for all intents and purposes works because you guys spread the word because you guys talk about it on your Instagrams. You talk about it on your own podcast. You talk about it amongst your friends and your group chats, et cetera. And that's how it's going to continue to thrive. And I will never lose sight of that because it's more important than any promo that you can do. The most important promo is that this person who came to the show told somebody else, I had a great time and you should go too. So thank you all again. If you want to see more about what happened on the Smart Funny and Black, you know the Vibonics 101 tour, make sure to check out Smart Funny and Black's Instagram. 
We also have videos up on YouTube. And uh, you can also check out my Instagram. I have some, some unique content on there as well. Make sure to follow Smart, Funny, and Black so that you can find out when we're coming to your city. There's a number of cities we didn't hit this year that we are making it a point to come to next year. And we still have a show September 14th and a show September 28th. We have September 14th in Los Angeles and September 28th in Chicago. So if you didn't get to go see Smart, Funny, and Black, you still have a chance to come out to those shows. If you don't live in those cities, consider flying. We had a lot of people that actually drove or flew out to come see the show, and they said they were happy as a pig and slop for coming out. They were happy as a prepubescent boy at Freaknik. Okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and shout out to everybody who came out to the show alone. I know a lot of people like are afraid to go places alone, but I always want Smart Funny and Black to feel like a place that you can come by yourself and leave with friends. And so everybody who came out by yourselves, I hope that that happened. I hope that at the very least, if you didn't leave with friends, you felt like you had friends while the show was going on. <laughs> the last dose. So thank you all, as, as usual, for reminding me uh, with your presence why we do this, why we do this art, and that no matter what the production or professional ramifications, you know, and and stresses are, what really matters is the work. And that if that is being received, then you can get through it all. Smart, funny, and black. A moment of ebony excellence. Yeah. Star Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.